I'll start off by saying I'm bored, I'm broke, and I'm back. <laughs> the NFC East leader, guaranteed leader, up until the, almost the end of the season. Yeah, it's funny how that works. Undefeated in the NFC East. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we won it last year. Undefeated yeah. in the NFC East. You got to be happy right now. You got to be happy. Uh, listen, we got, the, we got the target on our backs here um, as the defending division champions, um, and we are excited to chat a little bit about it. The Colt of Colt. You got Brian from Hogshaven or wherever. You got Gumby from who even knows? Everywhere Somewhere and everywhere. Location. Um, we're back doing a, uh, this is our second little lunchtime podcast record. Um, schedules can be weird, weird things. And so we, uh, we are committed to bringing you the spiciest hottest takes on the washington football team uh we're gonna give you we're gonna give you all the spice we're gonna give you our hottest takes i think the last dab of best podcast ever i think um i think that they should bring jeff george back and give him a second crack that's my spicy hot take for for the week i think jeff george didn't get enough of a look and i think he probably is uh he's waiting for for the call um, he's waiting for it. Only if he'll grow that. Just I know he's mostly bald, but if he gets that that back mullet going, just hanging out of the yeah. back of the the helmet like he did in '99, that would be tremendous for me. Just watching Jeff George ancient ass throw a ball to get intercepted, it'd be like old times because that's what it was like then too. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, spicy. Obviously, we talked about it last week. RG three really like putting um. He's fanning the flames, like, going on, like, what was it, like, Schefter's podcast or something? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, if they wanted to call me. And just, like, <sighs> watching people lose their minds. I just, you know, obviously, uh, you know, RG3 is is its own thing, but I think he is uh, he is trolling so hard. I'm very into this, uh, this RG3 trying to get under people's skin thing because it is, he is playing people like a fiddle. Oh, right uh, he, he remember, he is... When he was here as a quarterback, wherever he's been, he always loves himself some RG3. Always has, always will. So he's found this vein uh, of just discourse that people have for him in the Washington area. And he's finally being able to take a hold of it and go, I'm going to trend. I'm going to trend. I'm going to get people yelling at me. And you're right. He's trolling it and loving every second of it because out of nowhere, he's relevant again. Right. Well, and he's doing he's doing TV, right? He's doing college, I think. And I. I haven't watched him, but I heard he's, like, pretty good. So, you know, maybe this is, like, a ploy and, like, a bit. And anytime they have, like, the access merchants tweeting about things, like, anytime you get, like, a Schefter tweet or, like, yeah. a like a Woj bomb, like, these guys who are laundering um, the, the their takes for the league or, like, you know that anytime that there's, like, a take from one of these guys that they've either gotten that information fed to them from an agent or fed to them from a team's PR department, it's, like... Yeah, there's there's very little authentic about it, so you kind of have to like look at it with, through a critical lens. So the fact that there's been all this RG three discourse, it's like, okay, so where is this actually coming from? I kind of don't even care, but I just think that it's hilarious. Uh, it doesn't matter so, where it's coming from. It is funny no. watching him do this. He threw out the old you know Redskins uniform, running through the fog on yeah. Facebook, and him throwing it, like, running I'm for ready. a touchdown. I'm ready. <laughs> Call me in or whatever it was. Yeah. It's just hysterical. Yeah. Like it, it, 
let the guy just trying to be relevant again. There's no way we're gonna call him. He was never. He hasn't Hilarious. been good in years. You know, yeah. and I, I don't like Cam, but I'd put Cam above RG three every single opportunity possible at this point. Yeah. Well, that's our that's our spicy take minute. <laughs> um, we're gonna get that one sponsored. I oh, think. I know. There's got to be some uh, McCormick and Schmicks or something. Some nice hot, hot sauce for them. The spice locker. The um, old bay hot sauce. Oh, well, you know how we feel about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we are a pro Old Bay podcast. <laughs> Controversial, I know, but we are who we are. Um, we should probably actually talk about this team and what they've done thus far. As you mentioned, they are the current uh, division leaders and will be for some time, just based on how the schedule shakes out. Um, the... Washington football team won a is Thursday. Okay, here's a question: Is Thursday night primetime? Yeah, it's it's so it's not the it, primetime is not considered the day; it's considered the time. So anything yeah. after so like like yeah, Sunday night football is prime, prime time. Football. Monday, Monday night, night football, football is prime time. But is th- do we count Thursday <sighs> night football as because they're definitely not the same? Like oh no, like there's no in my mind. Like whenever I think about Thursday night football, I just think like Titans. Bengals, like this is Thursday night. It's like, what, oh, is it? What teams did we have left? Let, let's them play. I, I despise yeah. Thursday night football. I despise it. I've hated it since it happened. Admit the week goes too quick. After Monday, we should have a little bit of a break. I'm trying to remember my fantasy team on Wednesday. Someone has to like yeah. text me on Thursday and go, don't forget you have someone playing. Like, I hate Thursday night football. Uh, but even worse was that for years and years and years and years, watching Washington play anything primetime meant we were going to get slaughtered. Just right. absolutely. Michael Vick, look what he did to us on yeah. primetime. And it always was an NFC East, and we'd always lost by like 20. It was horrible. But Ron, Robert Ron, has found a way to kind of tap into that primetime, and I think he's 4-0 in primetime right now. So he's kind of changing, a little change in that culture. Yeah, so again, like, I don't know that I consider Thursday night to be primetime football, but anytime you have like a national audience and you're the only game on, I suppose there is increased attention and scrutiny. And so I will give them credit, Washington, getting getting that dub. Um, I have to tell you, before we talk about the game, a little bit about my um, my my watching experience. Well, did you watch the whole game? Um. Pretty much, hmm? pretty much. Well, so here's the thing. I was, I was planning on DVRing it and then watching it later. I just like, I just, I'm, I'm old. Like I don't really want to stay up on Thursday night. Like I've seen a lot of stink, bad football. Like yeah. I spent a lot of time watching like dumb bad football where like I've talked myself into. It's like okay, well if they score here, then they'll only be down 17 points, and then if they can. Get a stop. That'll make it a two-score game. And onside you know, come in. Their time. And it's like I'm I'm talking myself into just like being tired on a follow, you know, like on a Tuesday if it's bad Monday night football or like if it's a Friday. You know, it just it really kind of throws me off. I, I'll watch all the stuff. I just don't know that I necessarily need to like see it in the moment, like it, that it's happening, regardless of of whatever it is. So. I did, though, you know, I was like, all right, well, they're on, and I can put it on when we make dinner, and, you know, just keep an eye, it's it's always sort of helpful, and check the discourse, and, like, be on Twitter, or whatever else. So, you know, at halftime, the the game was, it was more competitive than I had anticipated it was going to be, 
and it was staying close in a way where I was like, okay, so this thing, it's going to come, kind of come down to it. So I've just sort of like decided sunk cost on the night. I'm going to be tired tomorrow. I may as well just, just stay up and watch it. It, and it was a good game. Home, so at least it wasn't it, like a horrible game. It was a good game. It was close. It was com- competitive. There was sort of like back and forth. There were a couple of times where Washington went down or, you know, they like went on some slides. I'm like, okay, they really need to make a stop. But then yeah. they they did they did everything that they needed to do. And in my head, I'm like, I'll be just I'll be happy. I will consider this to be a W for, for Brian's sleep schedule, uh, which is fairly regimented. If we don't if this game is is over and both teams haven't used all their timeouts because like the timeout thing is really what stretches it out yeah and just sort of like how it started to play out i'm like oh well i'm screwed here they're definitely like there's no way that we're getting out of this second half yeah, going into that being... close to that two minute warning you had one uh time out right beforehand two minute warning yeah. a couple were going on then there was a stop and yeah it was just it kept dragging and of course as you say the primetime games they always find times for commercials and that too. It's like, it's like watching a movie on TBS. The first hour is fast. The last hour is actually six hours long. So that's football. Yeah. And I now don't recall, uh, who it was, but there was that giants offensive lineman who, uh, who got very clearly seriously injured. Um, I did not see the, the video, so I don't know. No. And I did, I didn't see, it and I wasn't going to watch it. Me neither. Um, but all of that is to say, like, they, we, they, he went down. They went to commercial. Yeah. They came back. He was still down. They hadn't got him on the cart yet, but were going to. And then they went back to a commercial. I was like, man, they are really. I mean, you know, you it, for health and safety, like you got to do what you got to do. But it's going to take but forever I'm as a fan. Like, oh my god, yeah. they're really they're getting their 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 commercial dollars out of me. Hey, but he also so, at least he he. he was on the cart smiling. Like, whatever it is, he was like on the he's cart, he was smiling, yeah. So yeah. good, good for him. Yeah. So you know, getting down towards the tail end there, when Gano hit the field goal, and of course it was Graham Gano, and of course it was a former Washington kicker. It's like it's always like Graham Gano or Sean Sweezum or Nick Folk or like one of these guys where it's like screw up, or um, oh god, what was his name? He went to Maryland. Um, he was on the Chargers for a long time. Novak. Yeah, Nick Novak. Yeah, yeah, I like, played uh, intramural football with him. Uh, he was the ACC's all-time leading scorer at one Oh, no, point. no, I, I did it while scored. he was in the NFL. Like, when he had one of those breaks between the Chargers and other teams, he played yeah. on an intramural football team with me. That's hilarious. I was his was holder. He oh, he was, of course he was good. You you were kicking field goals in intramural football? Because look who he had. Mm, okay. yeah, and and then, then if like also there's kick return, so he just would kick it through the middle every single time. Like, and again, the guy was a natural athlete. He he was playing safety, of course, p- picking off. Like, again, watching you, you think kickers are kickers, and all of a sudden you're up against him, and you're like, wow, he is significantly better athlete than I'll ever be. Yeah, I lo- I love seeing like egg Twitter avatars just like chirping NFL punters, and it's like this guy would kick your ass. Like, oh my, yeah, in a second. <laughs> this guy's a professional athlete. Like, don't, don't, yeah. yeah, so, so Novak was so awesome all... dude, but also a really good kicker and beat us a couple times. So you're, you're right. He did. You yes. had these he, kickers. He won, he won us a couple games and he, he definitely like, it, it just is a thing. Like, yeah. Guys we cut loose, find a way, 
to make us pay for having done that. Uh, one one day when we talk kickers. about kickers, I'm going to tell you the story he told me about kicking, but we'll, we'll say that for another time. But, yeah, but well, like you, a teaser. But, but if you look at uh, Graham Gano, it's like he, he, he was here for a while, and he, I think he, Giants, and he's played lights out for the Giants for years now. Yeah, and, and uh, Carolina, he was, he was good there too. Lights out. So uh, it's one of those, you sit there and you go, and we're looking at Hopkins, but I don't really want to talk about it. We all know what happened, what's going on with him. The team well, will figure that out, but oh my yeah. God. We're not going to do too much kicker talk. I no. just all I remember from Graham Gano is just thinking like Graham Gano, oh no, like he's yeah. going to miss. That was, and then he's still in the league and is having a productive career. So, anyways, you know, two minute they hit the two minute warning and he makes that field goal to go up by two. I'm like, okay, man, they got to drive here and they got to get into field goal range. And it's like I don't know, they're not mo- they're moving the ball like kind of okay in the second half, but it's like really, I'm like. It's edge of your seat stuff, right? Absolutely. Like, I was, I was like, okay, well, obviously, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm vested here. Like, let's see what they do. You're getting, getting closer, and, closer to that green line. That's the field goal line as they're coming, and you just see it happening. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like I'm like, okay, wow, they're, they're gonna have a shot at this thing, and I, you know, I, I hadn't written them off. I didn't go to bed, um, but you know, they're, they're sort of taking their timeouts. They're sort of pick and pop down the field. They, they get the ball to McKissick, and then Humphreys made a nice catch, and then. They found uh, uh, Heineke found Logan Thomas and sort of like started like moving them in the right direction. I think there are two Humphrey catches, and then McLaurin had one. Like he was, we'll get to him because yeah. he really. And so they line up for that kick, and in my mind, Hopkins Hopkins is almost automatic from under forty. He's like really good under forty, yeah. and he's really bad over 50 and I believe he lines up and it's 48 and I'm like it's a coin flip here like I I you know and so he lines up for that kick and walks into it kicks the ball and I'm like uh oh it's and not it's close going, it's going right it's going right it's staying right it just it, I mean it, it just missed it it never hooked it never hooked. It just went, and you just saw it keep going. And right off his foot. It was one of those ones. It was one of those ones you wished it to go, but as watching it go into the air, it just stayed, and it was it was not happening. So, it was over. The game was it was over. Over. The uh, I'll tell you from a cinematography perspective. You watch the kick. It goes wide. Then the camera cuts to Dustin Hopkins' face, and I didn't need to see much more. So I turned the TV off. And I was like, oh, man, that sucks. Like, they had it. Like, w- what a bummer. Like, it's going to be a real tough week. So I went to go get ready for bed. And then but but wait, know, but wait, minutes... But wait, Brian. Did you, you miss what happened? Well, 15 minutes later, as I'm brushing my teeth, I was like, I wonder what people were saying on Twitter. And I was very confused because I, uh, I might have preempted this one a little bit. Um, I mean... Yeah, I, I preempted this one a little bit because, lo and behold, there was a fairly bad offsides penalty uh, on, on Dexter Lawrence, former former Clemson Tiger, and R- Washington was given a gift. And, you know, I think we, um, we like to sort of be like, oh, well, things never break our way, but we'll try and put a pin in this one to remember that— uh, It at happened least, at least once. At least once it happened. Um, but, yeah, I— uh, I did not see. I did not see them win the football game. I only saw the reaction. I mean, I 
went back and watched it after the fact, but I was just like, screw it, and then turned the TV off because when I saw Dustin Hopkins' face, I was like, I don't want to, I don't need to see, I don't, what do I need to do to, to, do to like, watch the Giants celebrate on the sideline or whatever? No, well, I'm, I was done for the night. For and the uh, the coverage of that game, you, the, yeah. you see the kick go right, you see the Hopkins' face, and there is a, not a long, but there is a delay before they talk about the flag. There's an absolute delay. So I'm going to guess that you're not the only one who did this. Where it's like, I'm sick of watching this. I'm not watching this crap. I can't. I can't stomach the idea of us losing this, especially in this facet where we we worked so hard to get here, and there was a delay. And of course, you know, I'm about the same boat you were. I'm standing up. I'm a little pissed off. About to turn the TV off, and you're just like, Hold on. There's a flag. And it's like, Okay, hold. Everyone stop. And then they come up, and they say, On the Giants. And then the problem now is that. We still have to go. Hopkins still has to make it again, right? And, yeah. and so now it becomes like you know riveting because now you're on the edge of your seat again. You're going through exactly what you went through, you know, a minute ago. And fortunately, this time he, he right down the middle. Like he didn't make a mistake twice. And we we pull off this game where you know the NFC East games, no matter how good or bad teams are, most of them are usually pretty damn close. And right. to pull off a game against the Giants second week, and we don't have another one for most of the season until the end. This was important. This was a very important game, especially with what we have coming up, to take it away, win this game, have some sort of semblance of what we can do as a team and also have control over our destiny at the very end. Right. Yeah, and you know, even though they add the extra game to the season, you just don't like giving anything away. And in my mind, when I turned the TV off, I was like, well, they gave this one away. Like, they had the shot here. Truly, if the if the remote had been slightly out of arm's reach, I would have been able to stick it out. But it was just like it was sitting next to me. It was like, beep, boop. And that was, uh, that was it for me. But, um, I mean, really, the difference between leaving Week 2 at 0-2 and, and 1-1, and it's so early, but at the same time, all these games... They matter so much, and division wins are always such a huge driver. It, it really, the tenor of this week would have felt so different if they hadn't come away, like if they hadn't gotten a gift there at the end, um, that I'm, I'm grateful. I'm still a little, like, shell-shocked by it. Um, I, I don't want to put too much into it, but it, it definitely feels as though we are in a, we're having a very different, conversation than we would if they had not you know if they had not found a way to, to get that one done the reason it's so important uh is that oh and two teams over 80 percent of oh and two teams don't make the playoffs that is a that's an nfl like statistic to add to that it was an nfc east game so now we have that win we, we we're going in we know we're probably going to split the ones with dallas and hopefully we can beat the giants twice and the Eagles once, and hope that's enough to get us there. And We're trying hard. Hopefully we can do even better. But being 0-2, knowing 80% of those teams don't make the playoffs, it was a bigger game than most people imagined. We also needed a great game to turn around for our defense to feel better again because that first game, they got decimated. They didn't look amazing against the Giants, but they looked better. Uh, Daniel Jones just ran all over us, but I guess that was just not something that was inside – uh, Del Rio's idea for the game, but we needed that win. We needed that win, and we needed that feeling for the defense to really have some sort of confidence for going into this murderer's row of quarterbacks that we have coming up. And we needed yeah, let's that. Let's talk win. about 
let's talk about the defense. Obviously, we have to talk about Taylor Heineke, and we will. But I, I think the, you know, we went into this year, and I think a lot of people went into this year thinking that this Washington defense, just on paper, was a top five unit in the league. And personnel wise, I think that they still can and should be. Um, Matt Ioannidis is sort of like limited in practice this week, but they uh, if they have an overabundance at any position, it's at that D line. Like they're they have set themselves up really nicely. Um, I still they still have a lot of room they have to improve upon, and I don't know if it is mental. Like I don't know if you know these guys are trying to put too much on themselves, but I I'm still. Maybe I, you know, this is a we're falling victim to expectations here, but I have not been overly impressed by what I've seen thus far, really in any facet of the game. And you mentioned, you know, Daniel Jones getting free and was like having big runs. He's done that against this defense before. He's done it against Washington before. The thing that is as concerning or more concerning for me is everything behind the D-line. Again, D-line not playing quite up to where I'd hope to see, but I'm not over the moon with the linebacking core. Uh, Davis, you know, he's a rookie. He's he's getting significant reps. You expect a first-round player to slot in immediately. I think he's still trying to catch up to the speed of the game. So he's got some, if we're looking at it in a glass-half-full perspective, like he's got an opportunity to rise to the level of those expectations as a first-round draft pick. There was just a lot of there were a lot of guys like wide open down the field. Yeah. And again, man for man, I think this is an incredibly talented, individually talented unit, but they are it, it leads me to believe that there's there are some misconnections both s- schematically and interpersonally on the defense, particularly in the secondary, where I don't know that these guys are being put in the right position or being instructed to do the right thing or, frankly, are they, they have the right mindset where they are performing to the level that we would expect. And I think a lot of that, in my mind, is so far on Jack Del Rio. I have not been impressed by what I have seen. Be, and again, I think they could do better, but it's like, what are we waiting for, right? It's only going to get harder from here. Th- that first game... The middle of the field was wide open the whole game, and that was schematics. That was that was planned by the defense to leave that open and say beat us here, and then they did. They beat them bad there uh, against the Giants. We're looking at uh, this amazing line who's putting some pressure on, but they didn't have anyone teeing up on Jones, who we know can run, has run on us, and has run on a bunch of people, and nobody was really on him. As far as our secondary goes, we know we have some athletes, but we know there's a couple holes schematically they aren't adjusting for those holes. They aren't applying for it. And that has to get better. Whatever Del Rio is doing has to get better going into this next couple of games because it's so many good quarterbacks. And that's a big deal. That is a huge deal. We need to have these, these key ups. We need to have, it almost feels like the, the defensive line is being allowed to push forward and kind of go a little off on their own. Like, I don't know if there's actual plays they're playing at certain times or if it's just a rush. Um, and that needs to change. It, it has to be pulled together a little bit better. It has to be a little more crisp. And then once I see it being more crisp, then I can say, hey, I see guys are there. They're just not making the plays. But I'm not seeing the guys there. 
I'm seeing wide open players. I'm seeing running back go through holes that are wide open. I see Donald Jones running around the edge with no one touching him. That's schematics. If you see a player miss a tackle, if you see a player close to somebody, or you see a player who just went to the wrong direction, that is the player. But that doesn't happen every play, and this has been happening. So I absolutely believe it's, it's on Del Rio's shoulders in this situation. He has to pull it together. He has to pull it together quick, because if he doesn't, this is going to be a really long season. Yeah, and you look at the you look at the the tackle sheet from this last game, and it, in my mind, it's a little bit counterintuitive because Kendall Fuller led the team with eight tackles. He had a sack, which was nice. He yeah. had a pass breakup and hit the quarterback once, one tackle for a loss. And then second was Landon Collins. He had seven tackles, um, no pass deflections, no breakup. So. The fact that there are two guys in your defensive secondary who are leading the team in tackles means that there were guys open down the field with the football that forced your cornerbacks and safeties to have to make tackles. Now, you want to see your, your linemen and your linebackers leading the way in those categories because that meant that they have been bottled up close to the line of scrimmage either for losses or short yard games. But if you have guys that are open down the field and your safeties your last line of defense are the ones who are routinely being tasked with making stops, then it says that there is something that means the ball's getting too far down the field for them to have to be called into action or sort of like required to be acting upon the play in such a way where it's just like, okay, you know, tackles are great. Like you want to have your name on the statute, but from a, from a, when you actually sort of think on it, more tactically in between the lines it's just like a little bit concerning to me it it is concerning but both fuller and collins are rushed to the line stoppers they have been and and from that secondary that's good the problem you're going to have is that if if the other team starts seeing that be more and more consistent that means one or two of these secondaries are coming up too fast and that's going to leave people to open downfield so other teams are going to tee off on that pay attention to that and they're going to do a couple of play actions where they could go for a run, see those guys come a little too quick right over the top. So if that becomes more consistent, absolutely worrisome. If it's one game, okay, not that big of a deal. But if it happens, it was game one, game two, now game three, and these guys are getting all these tackles, I 100% agree with you. But they, these guys are hitters. They come right to the box and they'll hit you. But you can't leave the field wide open, which, as we've seen, has been a problem. Right. And Landon Collins, Landon Collins is not Ed Reed. Like no. he's not Troy Polamalu. And there was a lot of discourse this off season to the point where it got brought up. Um, I believe Del Rio had to had to make a statement on it, or he was asked about it in an interview. It's like, should they move Landon Collins to linebacker? And Collins was like, I no. won't play linebacker. And Del Rio was like, No, I don't think that that's the right fit. But you're right; he is kind of a nose to the football type player. Sometimes to his detriment in pass coverage. But and that's been all, that's been a, a moniker on him his whole career. He, sure. he I mean for, he's the opposite of Deion Sanders. Landon Collins loves to hit. Loves yes, to hit. He loves to hit. Deion yeah. hated touching people. <laughs> well, and you know with no no interceptions and they didn't they didn't force the ball out. I mean no there were no turnover turnovers um for watching that entire game. There were no turnovers in that game until the very tail end there. Um it's it's something that I think you got to keep an eye on. Just like you want to see your defense, they did a, a pretty decent job of getting off the field, but you'd like to see them flip the field a little bit more. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, 
we'll we'll keep an eye on that. And you and you mentioned that there's they're sort of going to be facing some tough defenses. We'll talk about the upcoming game against the Bills in just a second. But I think we need to go back and do our requisite due diligence on um, on on the offensive side of the ball, and you know the story of the week and what I think is going to be the story of at least the first half of the season because of Ryan Fitzpatrick's injury is is Taylor Heineke um who did did enough to win that game finished 34 of 46 for 336 yards two touchdowns and a brutal interception which I think we have to talk a little bit about but he um I'll say this I I have not bought in on the hype in the way that everybody kind of like it, it felt a little bit like Kool-Aid drinking to me the way that everybody was even even this offseason uh we're like well he's the guy he's gotta he's gotta get his shot part of me is grateful that he's getting his shot because we'll know one way or another yeah. whether or not he is a viable NFL quarterback because he's he's just gonna he's gonna either have to be or we're gonna know that he's not and that that's kind of what you want I was talking um about how the most popular guy on any team and particularly in Washington is the backup quarterback. And like you're popular until you have to actually go out there and play. And for Heineke to come out and really, you know, they snatched, they snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. And it, it's not always that way. It's almost, it's almost always the other way around. Where they Especially with a backup a quarterback who's, who's yeah. only played a couple of games and, and he was able to do that. What's going to happen and where the real test is going to come up is over the next two games, and this is why. Yes. Game number one, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down, Heineke pops up. Great. There's a little film on him. Next game pops up against the Giants, a lot more film on him, and they're going to look back at the Tampa Bay film. Now we're coming against Buffalo, and if Buffalo hasn't figured out who he is yet, the next team will. Now they're starting to watch film, live film on what his consistencies are. And as a backup quarterback who hasn't played that much, there's going to be some consistencies. And they're going to tee off on them. Is Heineke able to change those things like a good quarterback does so that everyone doesn't know what he's going to do? Or is he going to be consistently at the same pace every single time so that every team on every film is going to figure out who Heineke is and those interceptions are going to become more plentiful? Well, and, you know, as I... I think about the offense um, in that game, and we'll talk about it again. We'll get into the interception there. You know, what's what's the book on Heineke really after what we saw in that lone playoff game where you like almost beat Tampa Bay, which I know people love bringing up that they almost beat Tampa Bay. It's like horseshoes and hand grenades. It kind of doesn't really matter whether or not you almost beat a team because that means you lost. But what he did well in that game was. He was he was moving his feet. He was he was sort of like sneaking back there. Had the clock in his head. One, two, three. I'm gone. And the concern was you know, he took he took some big hits. He was going out there. He was throwing his body around. He was diving for the pylon. The whole thing. He it is not a um, it's not a viable long term strategy or even a viable short to middle term strategy for him to be a guy where he's going to be out there running a lot. And I know he put on some weight in the offseason. I know he bulked up and whatever, yada, yada. But I thought that it was – there were a couple of times where I was like, dude, you got to just run. And he had a really bad sack. I think it was on the first first series of the game. I think it was, like going yeah. Back, 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 and was like trying to get out. 
and he was trying to do too much. Um, it may have actually been his only sack. He didn't get sacked very much. But... Yeah, he only got sacked one time. It was a 16-yard loss, but I I was encouraged, frankly. I was like, well, if you have this weapon, you want to yeah, use your legs if you can, but at the same time, it's like it isn't a viable long-term strategy or even like middle-distance strategy to have him being out there relying on his legs too much. So I was encouraged to see him trying his best to stay in the pocket and not not making ill-advised decisions by and large because he I don't know if if he's out there and he's running 10 times a game you're really you're setting yourself up for for disaster I mean he ended up with with four carries for six yards I mean he he didn't really have to run and again like we've talked about the O-line and we don't really need to harp on it too much they looked better this game than they did in the first one but they still have a lot of room for improvement as well and starting so, a running game, but so my thing about Heineke right now is I'm going to give some positives, some real positives of what Heineke has done. Number one, the kid's confident. The kid is just exuding confidence, which is something this team needs in a quarterback. Someone who's going to walk in and say, I got this. I got this and I can do this. And he's throwing it out there and he's showing that confidence to everybody. The second thing that he's doing, which again, is so very vital for being an NFL quarterback is that he is forgetting. He's forgetting the bad. He's that interception. It didn't let it didn't let him bother him. That sack. It didn't let him bother him. He gets through it. He gets through it. And he's like, I what's the next thing? Let's get to the next thing. I made a mistake. I'm going to fix that mistake. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. But now I need to move forward. I need to move forward. And that confidence and that that forgetfulness of, of the of the mistakes makes me very happy. He got the ball to McLaren. He got it there. That was needed in this offense. He's he's moving the ball. He's getting it to Logan. He's getting it to Humphreys. He's doing these things. And as long as he's, again, not consistently doing the same thing over and over again so other NFL teams, NFL teams can see him, there's a chance. I'm going to leave it out there. There's a chance he could be okay. He could be good. At confidence, I love to see that. I love seeing how he reacted. I love that forgetfulness, and I love the fact he's getting that ball around. So... I think I, I see shades of this wonderful positivity that's out there, and I'm hoping those shades don't go dark. Well, and you can still consider me a healthy skeptic. Um, like I said, didn't drink the Kool Aid, but the thing that has stood out for me the most in all of this is he clearly, and this is huge, he clearly has the trust of his teammates. They're they're out there and like they're saying the right things, but they're saying. It doesn't feel like they're forcing it. Like it, it is clear to me that the guys that are are there are rallying around him, and he has earned their confidence and trust. And that means that you, it's it's hard to do that in the absence of actual game experience. So he he's clearly a guy who has made his mark on the practice field in the locker room, and you have to you have to be like that if if you're not if you're not a star. And so for. You know, to hear Terry McLaurin talking about how much he trusts Taylor Heineke under center, to hear the way that these guys have have said all the right things, and you know, talk is cheap, but they, you know, it's it's what you want to hear, but it, it really does feel authentic. And so, while you know, I still have some questions, and frankly, at this point, don't think that it's like the long term solution. Um, 
I I am encouraged by what we are seeing and hearing and being able to go in as the starter and get a win regardless of how it happens. Sort of all of it combined does allow maybe some some cracks in my hard shell a little bit. So I'm not I'm not fully ready to believe just yet, but to see that things are trending in in the right direction or at least trending in a way where it feels like there are pieces there that could lead to an alternate path to success from the one that they thought that they were going to need going into the season, which was with Ryan Fitzpatrick sort of as a game manager, as the face of the offense, um, sort of as the vocal face of the offense, the team leader. They had to they had to really adjust on the fly very quickly. I think a lot of fans got their wish a lot faster than they, they would have I never would have anticipated that. Like I even said that in our, our little place bets. I was like, I don't think he's yep. going to. Yep. And I was wrong. I was wrong quick. But but now the next thing is what's coming up on Sunday. Sure. Yeah. And they, they have to have, I mean, they have a like a long week after a very short week. You know, they go Sunday to Thursday. With, so, it, again, a short week for, for Heineke to have to prepare as the starter. I mean, if you really only get four days, if you're done Sunday – you know, it's been well documented that that the players don't love Thursday night football from no. uh, like uh, preparation and, and healing and, and, you know, like getting your body right perspective. But now for Washington, they have a long week as they get ready to look at a Buffalo Bills team that I believe we both picked to win their division. Absolutely. Uh, I think at least one of us had Josh Allen in the conversation for either offensive player of the year or MVP. That was me. I mean, they are they are incredibly skilled, uh, particularly offensively. I mean, they have a ton of weapons. Um, Devin Singletary has, has been playing really strong to to start the season. Obviously, if you have a, a wide receiving core that has Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders, like they are going to make it really challenging for any defense. But it, I mean, I, how are you feeling in light of the the victory, however close it came, and uh, whether or not it was actually seen in real time, we won't you know, harp on it too much. Like, how are how are you feeling about Washington and their prospects going into this game? So, with a long week, I think this is going to give uh, Del Rio an opportunity to change the defense correctly. I think we're going to see a lot more from the defense against Josh Allen. They also, there's no I miss miss happening what's they know what they're going against they know they're going against josh they know they're going against stuff on they know against samuels they know what they're up against so these guys are going to come with their a game they're going to be healthy they're going to be rested but they're going to have their a game that extra time to prepare for this buffalo didn't play that well on week one week two they came out with a vengeance yeah and washington has to have that vengeance on game three but we all know how good Josh Allen is. We know we all know good how how good their offense is. We know how good our defense can be. Yeah. I don't think this game is we won or lost on that side. I think it's we saw the other end that's going to be the big deal. I think it's going to be the Buffalo defense versus our offense. And if our offense can make some stuff happen, this could be a much closer game than anticipated. Yeah, and you know they they hung. 16 on the Steelers, a, a team that I think, I don't want to say they're underrated, but like they, I think they're going to be kind of like in the hunt. That division is going to be just like freakishly good. There could very well be three 
playoff teams coming out of the the AFC North. But you know, taking that L in week week one to the Steelers and then coming back and shutting out the Dolphins. What Tua got knocked out of that game? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so. But to like hang thirty five on a team like that's that's really uh, padding the uh, the the points differential there. Um, you make a statement. Washington, you know they they just have to find a way to kind of manage the game and spread the ball around as much as possible. And it's it's definitely you know it was it was very encouraging to see in in the Giants contest where. McLaurin had 11 catches on 14 targets. McKissick, who had that long 56-yarder, had six targets, five catches. Logan Thomas had five catches on seven targets. Humphreys had seven catches on eight targets. Um, Brown, we saw three catches for 34 yards on six targets. And then that huge catch, um, I mean, we didn't even talk about it, was the Seals-Jones touchdown right at the end there. A perfectly placed ball by Taylor. Amazingly placed ball. And a fantastic catch. Yeah, I, I believe that was his his first catch in Burgundy and Gold. So you know, well timed, of course. Um, <laughs> what to celebrate? I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I uh, I would like to see more out of the running game. They haven't really got it started yet. We're gonna have to do that with yeah. Again, the Bills can score. There's no question about this. The Bills can score, but we have to be able to manage that offensive side where we take some time, we got to get that running game going, and we have to be able to score. Getting that that monkey off the defense's back so the defense isn't just constantly on the field. The longer that defense is on the field, that means there's more time that Josh Allen is on that field. And the more time that Josh Allen is on that field, the more danger that can happen. We have to hold that time we the offense has to be a game manager it has to score points and we have to do it to where we at least get that time of possession as close to 50 50 as possible to allow this game to unfold with the possibility of winning yeah and that's key um in week in week one the defense was on the field a lot they really struggled to get off the field on third down uh in a way that i think it, it it wound it ground him down for Washington, where it's like you can really only call on those guys so much um, before they're gonna break. You know, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a tough one this week. Washington is a seven and a half point underdog. It started at nine, so if you were gonna bet, the nine was sitting there earlier in the week. Uh, right now, ESPN looks like they have it being kind of like a 70% chance for the Bills to win this one. It's going to be tricky. You know, Taylor Heineke going on the road, his first road start. Ralph Wilson Stadium, not a not exactly a friendly place to, to go play. You know, the, the deck is stacked against them. My hope, though, is that they have a little bit of confidence coming out of that contest against the Giants and are able to um, kind of build on that in a way that allows them to maybe go up there and surprise some people. Cause if they do, they're going to start getting a ton of attention. This would be a oh, huge immediately. win immediately. just in terms of, of reputation. Um, so, you know, who's to say? So, so the, the fans of the bills are insane. I want to start yes. with that. The, the stadium's kind of, kind of shitty, uh, but these are the guys who are, they're wrestling in the park. They, they do wrestling moves. If you ever have a pretty, YouTube, the Bills 
wrestling fans. They literally have tables. They're doing wrestling moves. They're just getting hammered. They're rowdy. They know how to get a game going. If we can start by taking the – this is old adjectives. Start by taking the visit, the fans out there, get rid of those fans, keep them quiet, and keep our offense on the field as long as possible. This gives us a chance. The Bills are a Super Bowl-type team that many people have in that range. they almost guaranteed playoffs. You're absolutely right. If we can make this game close, if we can win this game, we all of a sudden go from like this 500-ish team to a chance of being something. We were close last year. We almost beat Tampa, but we still lost. We need to get off of that. We need to restructure this team. Del Rio needs to jump on it, and we can get a hold of this. I think there's a possibility we win this, but I think that 70% chance we lose is correct. But if we show up, take control of it over this long week, going healthy, there's a chance. All right, give me. Let's do predictions, final thoughts, and get on out of here. What do you? What do you? Give me your score. Give me the score. So I think it's gonna be thirty-five twenty-eight Buffalo. Thirty-five twenty-eight. I was gonna say thirty-one twenty-four Buffalo. That sounds so about right. I mean, I, I, I think like, I think we score. I think we start scoring. I think this starts happening now. But I think that we still just get overwhelmed on defense. Yeah. Any any sort of final thoughts as we we get ready for this week three matchup on the road? I think uh, I think Heineke plays well. I'm looking at uh, you know. Two touchdowns, he'll get an interception. It'll be a useless interception probably at the end of the first half or something. Uh, he'll dust it off, probably throw it for about 275, 300. But more importantly, I do think we get a running game going this week. The running game shows up now. I'm, I'm with you on that, but I still think we lose, but I think we're going to look pretty damn good and getting ourselves back to where we need to be. What about you, I'd Brian? Like to, I'd like to see a little bit more uh, production just sort of a little bit more competence out of the the O-line, both in run blocking and pass blocking. I think that that's going to be a, a big key to their ability to move move the ball and just feel comfortable on offense. And I would like to see Josh Allen uh, is so good. You know, skill set wise, it's like if you took the like you took Daniel Jones and turned the tuners up a bunch, like the AI, like he can beat you with his legs. He's got a hell of an arm. Yeah, I think for Washington to be able to to get a win here, they're going to have to do two things on defense, and that's don't allow him to run the football, and you got to win the turnover battle. I would like to Absolutely. see them get a little bit more involved and ball hawkish, not giving those open spaces, and uh, and maybe get a pick or two. That would be a nice thing to see. Josh Allen's still young. People keep forgetting yes. that, and if you get yes. into his head, that's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. <laughs> We'll be back in your head, at least through the ears, the headphones, next week on The Cult of Cult. This podcast is produced and edited by me, Brian Stabby, my co-host and director of social media. That's Gumby. We're up to what, like 118 followers on Twitter? Yeah, we're killing it. <laughs> you can follow The Cult of Cult on Twitter, at The Cult of Cult. That's all one word. We're also available on Untapped, Happy Stabby, and at D. Cumberland Jr., you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify by searching Hogshaven, a Washington football team podcast. And we ask that if you like what you've heard, that you do three simple things. Subscribe, rate us five stars, and encourage one friend to check us out. It does make a huge impact on our ability to reach new listeners. We know that your listening time is valuable, and we appreciate you taking your time to spend it with us. Gumby, another lunch hour well spent here on The Cult of Colts.